It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 404 of Locked On Raptors for, I guess this is Friday, October 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. Team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and a whole bunch of other hosts from across the network filling in daily shows over there. We've got Sam Amick as a weekly guest. We've got Ben Golliver as a weekly guest. He was on today, it, or I guess Thursday, because we're, ta- we're you're hearing this on Friday. And I'm screwed up with the days already. But hey, uh-huh. this is going to be a recurring theme throughout the show, I'm sure. It's a, it's a great network. There's lots of stuff going on. It's, of course, it's the start of the NBA season, and like you can't watch every single game. I know I can't, so if there's a team that maybe you haven't really seen or you want to sort of get the lowdown on what's going on with them, it's a great time to find a Locked On podcast for the teams that you're interested in. And if you like a host, if you like what they're doing, you want to support them, make sure you go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, subscribe, rate, and review that is the uh, holy triumvirate of things we hope you do for these very free podcasts. It's all we ask you to do, but it's uh, it's very, very helpful if you take the small amount of time it requires to do that. And if you do that for Lockdown Raptors, I will be forever in your debt. Uh, let's get to today's show. Uh, speaking of the Lockdown Podcast Network, I'm joined by a fellow Lockdown Podcast host, the host of Lockdown Mavs, or one of the two co-hosts of Lockdown Mavs, which is one of the most popular shows on the network because you guys actually do some work and you guys do creative live streaming and stuff from Lockdown Mavericks to tee up Friday's opponent, the Dallas Mavericks. It's Nick's, Nick Angstad. How's it going, man? Hey, yes, we do do that work. And uh, for some reason, we've had teams with terrible last two years, but uh, we're doing we're doing pretty well on the network. And uh, now we have Luka Doncic, and life is fun again, and basketball is interesting, and <laughs> it's a good time to be a Mavericks fan. Yeah, so let's start with Luka Doncic. That's the place to start. The Mavs are 2-2. Two and two. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this season. Just, I think, you know, it's it's going to be hard in the West. The West is extremely good, and if you're relying on Luka Doncic to be your best player early on, like, you know, he's 19. Maybe he's amazing and can carry a team to the playoffs. That seems like an unfair thing to ask of him. But hey, if he's an MVP of the EuroLeague, I guess, for a reason. So maybe, maybe that can be like a surprise eight seed or something. But... Just in general, without regard for like what's going to happen with the postseason, how fun is Luka Doncic? He seems just like a freaking delight to watch every day. Man, he, he really is. He does something different every single game that you don't really expect. I, uh, I've i been, been making some breakdown videos of him just because there's so much little things in his game that I appreciate. And so on my YouTube channel, it's, uh, it's Nick Van Exit. You can look there. Uh, I did this video called uh, Luka Doncic 200 IQ Plays, uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of tongue in cheek because there some of them are just smart plays and some of them are you know smarter than others. Some of them are just difficult plays, but he just does things like he has a, he has an amazing floater game. He turns a corner from a from a screen and puts up a floater from like 15 feet. <laughs> he can just he can knock him down from there. Uh, his shot is a lot better than a lot of people said coming into the NBA. 
His passing is good. Uh, he makes great passes. It's just fun to watch him play. He just he he does a lot of things on a basketball court well, except run. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> except run and jump. <laughs> There's something really artful to a guy who can be good and like gain separation without being athletically. I don't want to say he's not athletic because he's an NBA player and he was right. the EuroLeague MVP. So he's not unathletic, but maybe just like less traditionally athletic. It's not so much like twitchy, jumpy, out of the gym stuff. It's more like craft. And it kind of reminds me of DeMar DeRozan almost because DeMar was never like the yeah. fastest dude in the world, but like he could always gain separation. He could always find a shot somehow. And a lot of it's just like old man pump fakes and stuff, but that shit works, man. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm super stoked to watch Luka Doncic on Friday. Are you like, what were your expectations for him coming in? Like when the dr- trade happened on draft night, you give up the, ne- the next year's first round pick. It's mostly protected, but it could end up being a pretty good pick. If the Mavs are sort of a certain level of bad this season, um, but I, I don't know, like when the trade happened, what was your reaction to that? And then sort of how did your expectations for him evolve over the summer? And then, you know, through four games, how has he lived up to them? Yeah. So th- this summer, the trade was interesting. We were, um, we were at the draft in, uh, in Dallas and they, they do a, a drafting every year where they bring all the writers and all the media people in. We go to the American Airlines center and we, you know, sit and we wait for them to make the pick, and then before the draft, you know, Donnie Nelson, the GM of the Mavericks, will come out. Rick Carlisle will come out. Uh, Michael Finley, the assistant GM, will co- or one of the assistant GMs, will come out and talk and ask questions and answer questions and things from the media. Then they'll go to the war room, which is like upstairs, and they'll talk it over. And so after they left the beginning, someone had asked, you know, do you think that we're going to you know make a trade? Is there trades? There's been all these rumors about. You know, wanting to move up to get Doncic and all these things, and Donnie Nelson looked at us straight face and he said, "It looks like we're going to be staying where we are right now, <laughs> uh, at number five. And so we're like, "Okay, well, dang, that's disappointing. You know, we're not going to get Doncic. Will, will we find us Bamba or Jaron Jackson, whoever we end up with." And so then they go upstairs, <laughs> and a minute later. There's a, a notification from Woj and Mark Stein. The Mavericks have traded <laughs> the pick um, for. Uh, you know, with the with the Hawks and blah blah, blah the Mavericks will take Trey you know, Trey Young or whatever, however it worked out, and uh, and so we were all happy and ecstatic, obviously, and uh, and so then you have Luka Doncic on your team, and so then you you have guys kind of an unknown, but he's he's known at the same time, but also unknown because there's just so many different factors, and and so this summer I went from all kind all different ranges of outcomes. I was like, at some points I was thinking, man, this guy could be. Like, could he actually be a bust? Like, what? in what scenario, in what world could this guy actually be a bust? Like, what if his jumper doesn't translate right away? And what if this, he just can't keep up and the speed is just a big deal? And, you know, like, he always, like, he's going to be going against NBA defenders all the time. Like, the difference between going against, um, you know, like a yearly defender and then, like, Kawhi Leonard, which he's going to play tonight, you know, uh, big difference. And yeah. So, like imagine you know what that is, and then then at some point I was like, man, it's not going to matter at all. He, like best case scenario, he could be an all star his rookie year. You know, you could go with these different outcomes, <laughs> uh, and you just talk yourself into him and talk yourself in a circle as we do podcasts all summer. Uh, but right now, I think he's he's just going to be a solid player. He's like all the things that I said at the top of the show. He just does really well, uh, and that makes a good basketball player. Like you said, he, he's 
crafty and he's able to get to a spot. He, if he wants to get to a spot in a floor, he can because he does these behind the back dribbles and between the legs, and he can you know do all these different things to get to a spot on the basketball court. And he's just so smart when it, when it comes to you know that kind of stuff. And also, he's he's one rookie that I am not nervous about the adjustment to the NBA at all because mm-hmm. he's adjusted to so many different things. Um, we're seeing this trend in the NBA. Where and in other sports too, like in football and, and baseball and things, where if if your parent, like your if your dad or mom was a professional, uh, you know, athlete in in a sport, where like Donovan Mitchell or um, you know, Clay Thompson, where you have these guys that, or even Steph Curry, mm-hmm. they've been in locker rooms, they've been around the NBA, they've been around um, you know professional teams for so long that they just come in and they know what's up. You know, they come in and they're able to adjust and they're able to get hit the ground running pretty much and Luca's dad is a professional overseas and Luca's been a professional since he was a baby <laughs> yeah, he's 13 <laughs> years old when he started with um, Real Madrid so I'm not I wasn't worried about him you know adjusting and all coming into the NBA so I expect him to be just you know a solid rotation player at this point he's gonna have flashes like he had uh, a quarter against the uh, the Timberwolves where he just went off and scored like 13 points in like mm. three minutes you know he's just gonna have, he's gonna have some flashes like that, but then we're seeing him kind of tail off in second halves where he's just not able to either assert himself into the offense or maybe it's conditioning. Carlisle's been playing him big stretches of minutes, like he'll play from the uh, beginning of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. You know, like he'll yeah. play this huge stretch of time where it looks like Carlisle's just trying to play him into shape, and he did come in a little out of shape. That that stuff's been overblown a little bit because he has. Um, what we in the business call round face syndrome. <laughs> he just has like a round face. And so it does look like he's a little overweight than he really is. Buddy, um, I can relate. <laughs> and uh, of all people, Mark Jackson was making fun of like his weight. It's like, I wish his conditioning was, you know, a little bit more. And I was like, of anybody that has round face syndrome. Wasn't Mark your Jackson. career just like being the fat point guard? Like, was not that just what you were? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, oh. So, yeah, so that's where I'm at with Luca. I mean, uh, I'm interested to see, and this game actually tonight against the Raptors will be the first game that Harrison Barnes is back and playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully. We, have, we actually haven't heard 100% that he's going to play, but that's been the, the plan for the last couple of days. What? And so to see him try and figure out how to play with Harrison Barnes is going to be interesting, too. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of a different question because if Harrison Barnes is back tomorrow, that kind of changes the complexion of what the Mavs might be. Or maybe he just like subs in for Dorian Finney-Smith, who started all four games so far, and, and like he's just a better version of that. Um, so like, what, what can people expect to see from the Mavs in terms of how they're going to play? And like, how does Doncic 
get used in relation to all the other guys he's playing with. Because, like, Wes Matthews has a little bit of, like, off-the-bounce game. And Dennis Smith Jr. is, like, a point <laughs> guard, it don't seems. Don't say that against Mass. Don't say that to Mass fans. He just, he totally just lost the maps of the game the other night against the Hawks. <laughs> Wes Matthews did. Because uh, he was trying to do these off-the-bounce stuff and... Mavs fans are very upset at mm. West Matthews right now. But, there's this but thing, I, man. I get your point, though. Yeah. There, there is a, there's a lot of different parts, and there's a lot of different elements of the Mavericks right now. You're trying, like, how are we going to fit all these little pieces together? And right now, Dennis and Luca are are they're doing this, you know, your your turn, my turn kind of offense where right. um, it's a lot like, and these players aren't to this level, but like the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, you know, um, Relationship when they first got in the NBA, they're, they're right. kind of friends off the court. You can tell they're they're being friendly, but on the court, there's just this. They're very different. So trying to figure out how to mesh those two games is just going to be interesting. And, um, and then you have Harrison Barnes into this, and Harrison Barnes was he's had this really weird arc as a player where he was this role player with Golden State, and he, you know, just did his role. Uh, cup one time, I think Mark Jackson tried to bring him off the bench as like a sixth man, and so then he was doing this ISO thing, and it didn't work out very well for him. So they put him back into this team role, and with the starting lineup, Andre Iguodala is coming off the bench, and it totally worked. They won a title, and then he comes over to the Mavericks, and he plays this ISO game, and he's like really efficient at it and really good at it. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. We were like, wait, why? You know, it surprised pretty much all of us. And so now the last two years, he's been this guy that bails the Mavericks out of all these possessions. And he'll just take it and, you know, uh, in, you know, like around the elbow and he'll do these isolation plays, drive the basket, do these you know, turnaround shots. And, and, uh, and now the Mavericks are trying to play this, you know, move the ball around offense and try to get everybody involved. And we're not sure how he's going to fit into that. So this, we, this game could be a lot of, okay, Dennis's turn, Lucas' turn, Harrison's turn. <laughs> you know, it could yeah. be a lot of just, whoever's possession it is at any given time but uh, so yeah that's that's what we're looking for tonight it's kind of a weird situation for like a team that is essentially rebuilding they're probably a little bit ahead of the curve and also the, they're like signing old dudes like DeAndre Jordan so they're not like a traditional rebuild but most yeah. teams that are kind of projected to not make the playoffs they would kill to have three dudes who can like kind of run the offense on a given possession like they usually are just like all right i guess De'Aaron fox is the guy now so <laughs> yeah, I guess and I, that's Farrell. mean i like De'Aaron fox i shouldn't be mean to him he's awesome <laughs> but like it's it seems like a good problem to have to have like too many guys who are capable with the ball in their hands although dennis smith I, i'm so fascinated by him because like it kind of feels like the Doncic thing it almost feels like it kind of runs counter to what they were trying to do when they drafted Dennis Smith. And, like, I guess you just take the best player available. And if you're super-duper in love with Doncic, then you just take him. But, like, you mentioned that it's kind of a back-and-forth Westbrook-Durant type thing. How, like, what's the future going to hold for Dennis Smith? Like, does drafting Doncic is all, at all, like, offer, alter how you view his place within the long-term plans of the Mavs? I didn't really think so to begin with, <laughs> and this is just during the draft. But then when they drafted Jalen Brunson, it made me think. Yeah. Um, and maybe they just drafted Jalen Brunson in the second round because it was a good steal. You know, it was a good pick at the time. Um, but to bring in another point guard like that, a guy that, that can play off the ball, that can you know do some other things. And um, these first couple games, we've seen the Mavericks defense struggle so mightily, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really bad, uh, with Luca and Dennis both on the floor. Uh, Luca just can't stay in front of some, you know, faster wings. And he, any kind, if any kind of pick, you know, comes his way, he gets screened at all. He he can't fight over the screen. Um, 
fast enough to get to his to get to his guy. And so to to have a team where Dennis and Luca are the two main things, it's it's to be seen. And the Mavericks are still con, you know committed to both players, but I think this season is going to be a lot of let's let's see how this plays out, see how. Dennis fits with Luca because if the Mavericks are given a choice of one or the other, they're going to choose Luca every time, and mm-hmm. <laughs> they definitely should. And who knows what that's going to mean for Dennis? Uh, Mavs fans that they're they're starting to be a divide between these Dennis Smith Jr. stands that are like Dennis Smith Jr. can do no wrong, and if Isaac <laughs> and I on the podcast we criticize him at all, they're like, why do you hate Dennis Smith Jr. so much? <laughs> and uh, and then there's the other other fans that are saying. Like we should trade him like right now. We should try to trade him for Jimmy Butler. Do whatever we can, you know, to get value out of him. Um, and his game is, you know, his game is just interesting. They're very hustle and flow, like you know, where Dennis Jr. is this straight north and south runner, and he gets to the basket, he gets to the rim, and Luke Doncic is like this flowy kind of, um, you know, gets to his spot, does these floaters, step back threes, you know, a lot of different things like that. So the relationship between them is going to be. It's going to be interesting, but it's going to be hard to figure out, and uh, Carlisle's got his work cut out for him with that, I think. You mentioned that Doncic has issues getting over screens. Not going to be easy against Serge Ibaka, who is the king of the illegal screen. Um, <laughs> he's going to yes. get a, a, a crash course in illegal screens by Serge tomorrow. It's it's insane. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where even like the Raptors, like his teammates, are like, man, going up against Serge's illegal-ass screens in practice is terrible. <laughs> um, so... We'll see how that works out. Um, That's funny. Although I don't oh, think it's man. really going to be a surge game tomorrow because DeAndre Jordan just... plays for the Mavs now, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas' favorite food is DeAndre Jordan. He absolutely <laughs> destroys him every single time they play. So I, I was going to yeah. ask you. So yeah. there's been these four starters for the Raptors the first couple games. Yeah, started for the the five, but. Um, are they just rotating in it, whoever, whichever matchup is the best for that last starter spot? Or yeah, pretty how, much. What is, what's their plan for that? Yeah, it's. I think Nick Nurse, and I think it's a good thing, and I think it's kind of a nice deviation from what Dwayne Casey brought. And shouts to Dwayne Casey, by the way. He's 4-0 with the Pistons. That's cool. I, I'm very proud of Dwayne. The Raptors have the two best coaches in the league on, on their same bench. It's pretty wild. Anyway, um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> The, the, I think Nick Nurse is doing a smart thing and not getting married to a starting five. Yes, there are the concerns about you know continuity and guys not knowing their roles, but if he establishes, like, hey, your role is going to be uh, kind of in, in flux every night and it's going to depend on the matchup, then I think you can get by. And Serge Ibaka has looked fantastic as a center. He's not a power forward anymore, so like finding ways to no. pull him at center is effective and good, and he's been really good as, like, the role man for Kyle Lowry to work with. He's been really good in the dunker spot, and he's kind of become more, you know, paint-focused as opposed to, like, just picking and popping for, you know, 18-footers all the time, and it's been really good, and he's shown a lot of energy. He's offensive rebounding. It's great. So I I think it makes a lot of sense to go matchup-based, and, like, I think Zach Lowe mentioned this on his podcast this week. Like, it's kind of a bit of a market inefficiency in that so, so many teams are like, yeah. all right, we're tied to having this five-man starting unit for every single game, and then we sort of adjust on the fly if the matchup isn't going great. Like, why not make the matchup great from the start? And if the Raptors, who have a whole bunch of different versatile bigs and wings who could play at the four, like, if you have those options, then why the hell not use them and try to get a jump on teams that maybe are not prepared to handle whatever matchup you're going to throw at them? So I, I totally like it. I think it is kind of quelled any concerns people had about like Nick Nurse being just the same as Dwayne Casey just because he he was the coach on his bench like this is the exact opposite that Dwayne Casey used to do Dwayne Casey started Luis Scola 
for an entire season just because he didn't want to shake up the bench <laughs> unit. And, like, it yeah. worked. They won a bunch of games that year, but also it didn't make any sense because the starters were, like, a minus seven. So I, I like that Nick Nurse is kind of shaking things up. And I think by the end of the year, it'll kind of stabilize. There'll be, like, two go-to starting fives. I think by the end of the year, we'll see OG Ananobi back playing in the four, and Siakam will be coming off the bench just because his creation's kind of a little bit more useful on the bench where there's a little bit of, you know, a little stickiness when it comes to the offense. So... Um, I think it will kind of they'll, they'll they'll sort out what their best starting fives are. The, it'll be one or two, I'm sure. But I, I like it early in the season, and it seems to be working. So I don't have a problem with it. But I, I absolutely think it'll be Jonas tomorrow, starting at center next to DeAndre Jordan. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And how is DeAndre faring so far? 32 minutes a game. He's at, you know, very DeAndre Jordan numbers, you know, 15 and a half, 13 and a half. But you mentioned the defense has been bad. And yes, the perimeter defense isn't great, but... Is DeAndre Jordan still capable of like being the anchor of a good defense, or is he kind of past that? Yeah, that, that's been a big question for us. Um, the wing, the wings have been so bad defensively, and even Wes Matthews, who's usually a good, uh, a good defender. You look at the last four, the uh, first four games. You look at the guys that Wes Matthews has been guarding, and mm-hmm. it's like Devin Booker, who went totally off and scored like thirty-five <laughs> points. Is uh. Derek Rose, who he was guarding for a lot of the, the second game, he went off for like 30 points. It was a vintage Derek Rose performance uh, for the first time in a, forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then against the Bulls, it was Zach Levine who went off for like 35 points. And then against the Hawks, uh, Ken Bazemore, which out of nowhere, who everybody thought was like going to be a salary dump this summer, who the Mavericks were even linked to in the Luka Doncic <laughs> trade. There was Mark Stein tweeted that the Mavericks, there was a holdup in that trade. The Mavericks didn't want to swap in the trade Wes Matthews for Kent Bazemore. They didn't want to pay the extra $19 million, uh, in Kent Bazemore's contract that was going to come, not this year, but next year. And so the Mavericks didn't want to do that. So they could have kept their pick, got Kent Bazemore, and got rid of Wes Matthews, which a lot of Mavs <laughs> fans are very mad at right now at this very moment. But um, So, yeah, so the, the wing defense has been awful. The Mavericks, I think, are one of the, the – the first or second team in a allowed three-point percentage so far this season. They just allowed an insane amount of wide-open threes. So uh, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, all of you guys, good luck <laughs> with your open threes on Friday. But uh, but DeAndre Jordan in the paint, he's he's been good. He can't get he can't get pulled out of the paint at all mm-hmm. um, by pretty much anybody. So that, if there's any kind of switch, if there's any kind of um, him getting pulled out of the paint, then all of a sudden it's just completely exposed. And the Mavericks were playing essentially, you know, three, you know, wings and then a point guard uh, with Dorian Finney-Smith, Wes, Luca, and then Dennis, mostly as that group. So, mm-hmm. um, and then they, they just haven't played long enough together to know when to switch, when to you know come over and help, and uh, when to drop, and things things like that. They just haven't worked on out the communication enough. Right. To try and figure it out. So it, it's too early to tell, I think, on the defensive end. Um, but still, he's still a good shot blocker. He had five blocks in the game for the first time in like two years the other night. And uh, and on offense, it's been 
amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's fit so well on offense. The Mavericks almost use him as a security blanket. Um, we've been talking, we've been talking about it. Like it's a tight end in football. That's like over the middle. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, you go through all your reads and if you know, nothing's there, then you just dump it off to the tight end and he's right there. He's, you know, uh, and he can get you, get you the yards that you need. And Deandre Jordan is just that. And, uh, Luca has been working with him super well. Dennis has been working with him super well. And then he's become, uh, he's become like this leader on the team uh, yeah. with Dirk out. Dirk has still been on the bench and he's, you know, traveled with the team and things like that. So he's there, but uh, you need somebody on the floor. You need somebody to grab Wes Matthews and to stop him from yelling and <laughs> doing these things. And you need somebody to, you know, calm Dennis down when he's um, kind of flailing and on, the, you know, on offense and getting upset at himself. And DeAndre's been that guy. He's been the guy that pulls somebody, you know, pulls somebody aside and like start talking to them. Um, there was this really, uh, man, I think somebody made this a gift, but there's this really funny play where um, Wes Matthews was getting mad and he was upset and DeAndre pulled him over and they were like talking and it almost looked like that gift where Draymond Green is uh, pep talking Kevin Durant where he's like talking to him like that. And then uh, Wes Matthews just like out of nowhere puts his arms straight out to his size like a t-pose and then they both just like hug <laughs> in the the court, and they hold the hug for just a little too long and then they let go and they go <laughs> do their own thing um but he's just been that like you know that stabilizing force both on uh the defensive end and you know on offense so he's, he's been amazing and Mavs fans are just loving it right now and there's no ill will from the uh, 2015 emoji gate none at all Mavericks fans don't care so. i can't imagine uh, DeAndre Jordan had any interactions with Chris Paul where A, he was the one yelling at Chris Paul to stop yelling and <laughs> having success and B, it ended in a hug. That that doesn't seem likely to me. Um, man, Maz fans really seem to have issues with Wes Matthews, huh? That's He's cool. He's a second rounder. He had a bad injury. I like Wes Matthews. Stop being mean to Wes Matthews. I know. Well, the, the thing is that Wes is, is the last three years the Mavericks have, have lacked playmakers yeah. <laughs> and Wes has tried to fill that void and uh, he's been doing it by these dribble drives and uh, Kirk Henderson from uh, Mavs Moneyball he's a Kirk serious face on Twitter mm-hmm. he tweets out this gif every single game which is the st- which is from the office where Stanley Hudson is dribbling a basketball and he's got one <laughs> hand behind him like like straight out and he's dribbling with just one hand like straight in front of him looking at the ball and it's uh it's because of Wes Matthews <laughs> he his drives are so bad he drives in the paint he doesn't have any idea what he's doing he just drives in and uh, doesn't really have a plan sometimes he finishes and, and most of the time it, tur- it turns into a turnover and so that's where I think the you know the upset. Mavs fans come from is this you know West Matthews is trying to become this playmaker he's trying to become this you know guy he does things off the dribble he just doesn't he just shouldn't do that <laughs> you know <laughs> and then uh, the end of the, the Hawks game on ESPN I'm sure a lot of people saw it um, the Mavericks had this 26 point lead they give it up and then in the fourth quarter they uh, they had they were so close they're within two points and West Matthews decided alright it's my turn to take over and so he drives in the paint turns he drives and you know uh, throws a pass and it goes out of bounds and then he, he you know takes these these crazy like turn the corner threes with the ball in his hand and tries to hit him and completely airballs it to the you know, to the left side and it's just been it's been frustrating his shot selection mostly um, 
And then, you know, now the question that we're asking now is, is he still still good defensively? He has good stretches, but, you know, yeah. after, after four guys <laughs> scored 30 on him, you're kind of wondering, you know, where is he? So I, uh, um, that's, that's where it comes from. I'm laughing because there was a time, this the summer actually that the Mavs signed Wes Matthews, there was a rumor like an hour after the Raptors signed Damari Carroll that they were also going after Wes Matthews. And I was pretty excited by that. I was like, oh, hell, they're, they're going to embrace small ball. It's going to be really cool. But the way you're describing Wes Matthews is the exact thing that happened with Damari Carroll, where his drives would just end with bricks off the back iron. Yes. And also he was hurt a whole bunch and was also very bad at defense. And so uh, bullet dodge there, I guess, Raptors? Uh, still love Wes Matthews, though. I think he would have been better if he had a if he had a good point guard next to him. Like when he right. was in Portland and he had Damian Lillard there, he had a defined role. He had two guys where he could be like, all right, I'm gonna take the backseat to these two guys, and at least there are playmakers. Where in Dallas, he hasn't had that. He's had his best point guard has been JJ Barea, mm-hmm. who's mostly played off the bench and not played with him. Uh, Darren Williams was his point guard one year, and then um, then Dennis Smith Jr. the rookie last year. So you know, there's he just tries to assert himself where there wasn't a playmaker and, you know, it just isn't working. So I think if he had a like, Kyle Lowry type where that was, a, you know, a veteran point guard that's been an all-star that he could respect, I feel like that would have worked out. But, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing Wes is going to guard Kawhi tomorrow. Is that sort of the – has he been taking the, the big responsibilities on defense like that or are they going to throw Harrison Barnes right to the fire? Man, that's a good question. It'll probably be Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh Unless they do something weird and they they start Dorian Finney-Smith. He's been a really good defender mm-hmm. um, for the Mavericks. So uh, I doubt he's going to – he's not going to start if Harrison Barnes does get the start. So I'm going to guess Harrison starts on um, on Kawhi Leonard. Or it's Luka Doncic and he just throws Luka oh straight to the fire. Oh, my God. The Mavericks <laughs> did have this uh, – they're supposed to have a practice on Thursday, and they decided to, to cancel the practice and just do a very long film session. Huh. And Luca got beat a whole bunch in the Hawks game, so I wonder if he, if Carlisle just looks at this footage and is like, "Luca, we're gonna put you on somebody where you're gonna learn to you know, try to fight over screens <laughs> because if you don't, Kawhi Leonard's just gonna kill you every time." So I don't know. That'd yeah. be that'd be interesting to see. I doubt that's gonna happen. But, Kawhi yeah. just put 35 on Jimmy Butler's head, so I yeah I worry for the health of Luca if that's the case, but. It'd be fun from he, my perspective. He lets, he lets everything fall off, though. He he brushes everything <laughs> off, and he That's does good. not care at all. I mean, look at his, look at his beard. I was I was watching the game and the other night, and I was like, man, look at his beard. He does not care what anyone thinks. Of him. <laughs> like, I, hopefully, he'll shave before the game. But he has like this neck beard going. That I don't know. To me, it just says that he does not care, and that's good for a basketball player. I think as a once a week shave type of guy, I respect it. <laughs> Fully on board. I got. I've taken. I've taken too much of your time, but I have a couple more for you. Number one, uh, how's our lovely Canadian son Dwight Powell doing? It, it seems like a very strange relationship between Mavs fans and Dwight Powell because all of the like metrics seem to suggest he's very good. Like this season, he's averaging fourteen and five in fifteen point eight minutes played, and is shooting the lights out. And he like just seems when he's on the court, like it always seems to be like a positive thing, but. Whenever I like, I don't follow like a million people from Mavs Twitter, but like it really seems like Mavs Twitter just has it out for Dwight Powell, and I'm just wondering why the hell that is. <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> Dwight Powell also has this interesting relationship with Mavs fans, where 
he came in and uh, he was traded in the Rondo trade. So that already kind of taints the whole <laughs> Dwight Powell experience. Uh, he is a, he, you know, he's this athletic, springy guy uh, that's pretty good at switching on, on defense. And he's an awesome rim runner, like a really, really good elite level rim runner. Um, but the Mavericks, the first couple of years, they were like, man, it would be cool if you could shoot threes. <laughs> so he tries to shoot threes, and it just, he just missed a whole bunch of them. And Maver- the Mavericks fans were like, why is this guy being so bad? And then when he was rim running, he couldn't catch. I mean, when I tell you he couldn't catch a ball, like he dropped so many alley-oops my first year covering the league. It was 2015-16, so not, not a, or 2016-17, uh, so not last year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. And he just could not catch an alley. Like, he, he would jump up, J.J. Bro would throw it to him, and he would just completely miss it. And so there's just <laughs> these things that were, were obvious um, deficiencies in this game where Mavs fans saw it and were like, man, this guy's terrible. And he was really, really bad um, for a little bit. And, and the Mavericks gave him this extension where he's making, you know, eight, nine, ten, ten million dollars this year a year. And no one understood why. Like, we, just, we didn't understand where is this coming from. Where you know where do they see this Dwight Powell growth? Where do they see you know that he's worth this amount of money? And it was the summer of 2016, and everyone was drunk with power and cash, and they're throwing money around everywhere. But uh, so Dwight Powell gets this extension, and then all of a sudden last year, the beginning of the season starts, he's doing the same thing again. He's shooting a bunch of threes. He's hitting a little bit. He's hitting more of them, but he's still taking all these threes. And we're like, man, he's away from the basket. He's just not doing you know the things that he wanted to do. And then Carlisle made this shift where he took Dirk and he started Dirk at the beginning of the game because Carlisle used to say that Dirk will never come off the bench if he's for the Mavericks, and now that's changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he starts Dirk, he, he, then he starts for the first four minutes, then he brings him off the bench, and he played this bench unit of Dirk, Dwight Powell, um, at the time it was Yogi Ferrell, Devin Harris, and J.J. Barrett. This lineup makes absolutely no sense unless <laughs> Rick Carlisle is running the show. And Dwight Powell was amazing, like absolutely amazing in this role. All he had to do was rim run, get rebounds, uh, defend you know the other players, whoever their bench you know big was, which was usually like a Greg Monroe type you know, or somebody uh, like that. And he was just amazing at his role. He did not he didn't have to step out and shoot threes. He didn't have to try to do more than you know what he was asked. And he was rim running. He had two play three playmakers on the floor at all times. And he's th- this three point guard lineup that was just the weirdest thing. But <laughs> it worked super well. It was one of the most efficient lineups in all of basketball last year. And now he's playing this backup role with again next to Maxi Kleba, who you talked about earlier. Um, and they're amazing together. <laughs> they. <laughs> They are like throwing lobs to each other. They are, you know, they double blocked somebody yesterday in the Hawks game. Hell yeah! Together, they they're just, they they complement each other so well. Uh, Maxi, you know, better outside shooter, better rim protector. Dwight Powell is better defending, you know, out on the perimeter, and he's better switching, uh, better rim runner. And so that their their games just complement each other so well. And so now I feel like Mavs fans are and Mavs Twitter, I think, is is they're. They're back with Dwight Powell. They're, they're back in on him. It's still maybe not worth the money, but he's been a very effective bench player. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're they're okay with him now. Well, that's so. good to hear because he's one of the most effective guys on the Canadian national team when he does play. Um, you know, he doesn't, like, ask for money like Andrew Wiggins did, apparently, according to a report. Today. Oh, my gosh. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Does does the does the Canadian national team like I don't know uh, Steve Nash I know was was working with them and working getting players but whoever runs the Canadian national league like team 
they look at Andrew Wiggins and they, when he says, I would like, I should be paid for my play. They're like, all right, should we pay you market value? <laughs> should we pay you what we think you're worth? What yeah. Your game is worth? I mean, the you dude know, like, was we- on the team. It was like the best player on the team when they lost to Venezuela and the FIBA Americas and they like, they lost their Olympic yes. bid because of it. I see, like, for the longest time, I was, like, an unabashed Andrew Wiggins stand because, like, he's all we had. But now, there's just so many good... Yeah, there's just so many good Canadian players. And, like, Jamal Murray's awesome, and R.J. Barrett's probably going to go number one. So it's like, all right, all right, Wiggins. Like, hope things work out for you, dude, but I'm not going to, like, attach my hopes and dreams of international success to you anymore. They'll probably be just fine with, like, Corey Joseph playing your minutes anyway, so... Um, it's kind of a bummer, but you know what? Whatever. The Raptors, the, the Canada has cool ass players now. Like Kelly Olynyk is like suddenly like a really cool player, and he's a monster internationally too. So don't even. <laughs> Why did we think we would ever say that Kelly, Kelly Olynyk was a cool player? <laughs> uh, one more for you, very quickly before uh, we get in trouble for this being too long. Give me. Uh... Which, by the way, by the way, the, the Locked On Fantasy podcast is consistently over an hour long every single day, <laughs> and no one ever says anything about it. So Isaac and I have honestly we we stopped caring about time, and uh, I, we find that our listeners like longer podcasts because a lot of them listen to it at work or yeah. they listen to it on their way to work. And people's you know, like, days are terrible, better. man. You got to fill those days, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything you've seen, what's going on in the world, things are bad. Longer podcasts <laughs> are very helpful. Um, yeah, I feel like it's better over in Canada. You guys just legalized marijuana, didn't you? We sure did. <laughs> it has changed absolutely nothing because guess what? Oh. People smoked weed before. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Admit it on the podcast. Yeah, it has uh, not changed a damn thing. And also, the mail is on is on strike right now, so people aren't even get because you can only order it online in Ontario. You can go to stores, I think, in other provinces, but Ontario is run by uh, like an idiot Trump runoff moron dude who sucks. Um, and yeah, it's of course our province runs terribly because of that. So yeah, it, people haven't even gotten their weed yet, and it got it illegalized like I don't know a week ago. So yeah. That's that's where we're at with that. This has been Weed Talk on Locked On Raptors. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I didn't expect to get a uh, <laughs> politics. Yeah, we, we um, haven't gotten – yeah, we'll, we'll do a Locked On uh, Doug Ford special at some point, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last one for you. This happened last year a couple times. The Mavs beat the Raptors both times they played last season, and they I believe they were the only Western Conference team to do that. I think maybe the Thunder, but other than that – Oh, I guess the Warriors. The Warriors beat them twice, too. But the Raptors, like, were really good against the West and didn't get swept by many teams at all last year. But it was always these random-ass Mavs that went off and, like, completely changed <laughs> games. Who was the most likely of, let's throw out four names, uh, Maxi Kleber, J.J. Barea, Jalen Brunson, and Ryan Brokoff, who was apparently a person. Uh, who was the most likely to, I guess we could throw Ray Spaulding in here, too, who's played one minute. That's exactly the kind of guy who would drop 15 on the Raptors' heads tomorrow uh, or tonight. <laughs> who is the most likely of these guys to go off and score 25? Oh, man. Well, let's go through them uh, from least to work. Least <laughs> to most likely, I guess. Um, so, Ray Spalding has played one minute. Uh, he only literally plays in garbage time. So, if he does score 15 points, that means the Mavericks have either been destroyed by the Raptors or they are destroying the Raptors. <laughs> he is a perfect um, name, by the way. I love his name. Isn't it great? Ray Spalding. So good. Uh, all, we, we make all the Spalding basketball jokes. Well, that's, uh, you know, Spalding, superior to Wilson, of course. Uh, DJ Wilson is the one we're talking about, of course. 
the uh, next one would probably be Ryan Brokoff. He he gets to play. He's he's allowed to play four minutes, and they're split between the first and second quarter. <laughs> It's been the weirdest thing. He'll play one minute in the first quarter and then come back and play three minutes in the second quarter. That seems like um, a hard way to establish uh, rhythm. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, and especially for a, a player that's as good of a shooter. I mean, he shot 50% from three last year overseas. Right. Um, and so he's, he's just a great three-point shooter. But uh, So he could get hot, I guess, and Carlisle could ride the hot hand for the four minutes he's out there. Um, then, who's the next one? Maxi? Yeah, sure. Maxi probably the next one. Max is as he he has brought out this this part in his game, and hopefully we get to see it on Friday and make me look really smart. Where he's he's been a, a better uh, like driver than like we've seen before. Where he does these moves, he did a couple moves in preseason where he'll drive in the paint and, and you know dump off to another center to Dwight or to Salamejri, he'll kick out to a shooter. Or um, people are starting to respect his three-point shot, where he, not as much last year. He shot like 31% last year from three. Um, but that's what he came into the NBA as, is, you know, as a, the idea of a stretch four. Mm-hmm. And so as as people try to close out on him more, he's driving past him and doing these little moves. So we can see we can see a nice maxi game. Um, but J.J. Barea is probably <laughs> the most likely. He, of course. Uh, of course he is. J.J. Barea just does his thing. He's, he's amazing. Like, <laughs> we like to joke that Luka Doncic is a 6'8", J.J. Beret <laughs> because he does all the things that Luca does he's just in a smaller package he's, uh, he does these floaters he can get to any spot on the floor he can hit shots you know he makes great passes he just is 5'9 yeah <laughs> so so uh, that'd be the most likely that'd be my guess uh, so Maxi uh, on Boxing Day last year against the Raptors the first game I believe between the two teams uh, he had 15 points, 8 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 5 blocks in 25 minutes. Um, and I believe... What's the correct pronunciation of his last name? Kleba. Kleba. Okay. So Matt Devlin was right. Matt Devlin was really on the Matt Maxi Kleba. And I thought it yeah. was like a, an unnecessary so overpronunciation. Right. But um, also, J.J. Barea, two of his nine best scoring games last season, last year, came against the Raptors. So uh, that's probably going to happen again. He is 9 of 18 <laughs> on Boxing Day for 20 points. And then that uh, March 16th game, he had 18 points in 18 minutes. So, yeah, th- that's going to happen for sure. <laughs> Nick, man, I think that's a good place we'll to leave this. This was... Uh, this was great talking to you, man. The Mavs are interesting, and that's that's cool. And you guys do an excellent job covering the Mavs and getting into all the nitty-gritty. So where can people find you and uh, Locked On Mavs? Yeah, you can find us. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Nick Van Exit. Uh, very, very good Van Twitter Van handle, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to Nick Van Exel, who I have never tweeted at, but he has blocked me for some reason. So, uh, <laughs> so he apparently searched his own name and saw that thought i was making fun of him and blocked me i guess he was also i think in charge of personnel for the mavericks uh g league team texas legends okay so you gotta confront him you gotta figure that out you gotta you bury the hatchet with him i know somehow if i meet him in person i'll bring it up and it'll be you know you're not supposed to talk about twitter stuff you know in real person but (laughs) maybe i will you could have also made your if, if he doesn't if it doesn't work out you could always just be nick van horn as well Ooh, I don't know if that one works as well. 
the whole idea is that it's a pun. I know, but you know, whatever. The van part, what? I, that, just the first guy that came in my head. Okay. <laughs> um, and you can follow the the show at Lockdown Mavs, and uh, you can subscribe to it anywhere. And uh, you can follow me on uh, on YouTube as well, Nick Van Exit, and you can uh, get our live stream shows, my Luca breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. So thanks so much for having me on the show, man. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, everyone, you can find this show, Lockdown Raptors, same places: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you find podcasts. Some places I probably don't even know about. Uh, you can also <laughs> find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find my Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors. I have some premium podcasts up there right now, including this week's episode about Mike James in the 2005-06 season. So if that's your bag, please uh, give me your bag, I suppose. And uh, Mike I, James, former Mavericks great. Of course, he played for every team, so of course he's a former <laughs> Mavericks great. Um, as we covered extensively on this week's podcast with myself and Joe Wolfon from The Score. So uh, please give that a, uh, a little subscription if you feel like you want to support my work, and I very much appreciate it if you do that. Uh, if not, you don't want to do that, you don't have the means, that's okay. Just leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page. It's very, very helpful and nice and good for the ego. Uh, I'm going to be back again probably Saturday morning, I would guess, doing a recap of the Mavs game. It's a busy weekend and stuff, so exactly when we are back, I'm not t- entirely sure. But there will be another podcast over the weekend at some point. So stay tuned for that, and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.